Section 3 of A Narrative of the Most Remarkable Particulars in the Life of James Albert Ukasa Groniosa by Ukasa Groniosa. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. After I had been in London about six weeks, I was recommended to the notice of some of my late master Mr. Freeland House's acquaintance, who had heard him speak frequently of me. I was much persuaded by them to go to Holland. My master lived there before he bought me, and used to speak of me so respectfully among his friends there, that it raised in them a curiosity to see me, particularly the gentlemen engaged in the ministry, who expressed a desire to hear my experience and examine me. I found that it was my good old master's design that I should have gone if he had lived, for which reason I resolved upon going to Holland, and informed my dear friend Mr. Whitefield of my intention. He was much averse to my going at first, but after I gave him my reasons, appeared very well satisfied. I likewise informed my Betty, the good woman that I have mentioned above, of my determination to go to Holland, and I told her that I believed she was to be my wife, that if it was the Lord's will I desired it, but not else. She made me very little answer, but has since told me she did not think it at that time. I embarked at Tower Wharf at four o'clock in the morning, and arrived at Amsterdam the next day by three o'clock in the afternoon. I had several letters of recommendation to my old master's friends, who received me very graciously. Indeed, one of the chief ministers was particularly good to me. He kept me at his house a long while, and took great pleasure in asking questions, which I answered with delight, being always ready to say, Come unto me, all ye that fear God, and I will tell what he hath done for my soul. I cannot but admire the footsteps of providence, astonished that I should be so wonderfully preserved. Though the grandson of a king, I have wanted bread, and should have been glad of the hardest crust I ever saw. I, who at home, was surrounded and guarded by slaves, so that no indifferent person might approach me, and clothed with gold, have been inhumanely threatened with death, and frequently wanted clothing to defend me from the inclemency of the weather. Yet I never murmured, nor was I discontented. I am willing, and even desirous to be counted as nothing, a stranger in the world, and a pilgrim here. For, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I'm thankful for every trial and trouble that I've met with, as I am not without hope that they have been all sanctified to me. The Calvinist ministers desired to hear my experience from myself, which proposal I was very well pleased with. So I stood before thirty-eight ministers every Thursday for seven weeks together, and they were all very well satisfied and persuaded I was what I pretended to be. They wrote down my experience as I spoke it, and the Lord Almighty was with me at that time in a remarkable manner, and gave me words and enabled me to answer them. So great was his mercy to take me in hand, a poor blind heathen. At this time a very rich merchant at Amsterdam offered to take me into his family in the capacity of his butler, and I very willingly accepted it. He was a gracious, worthy gentleman, and very good to me. He treated me more like a friend than a servant. I tarried there a twelve-month, but was not thoroughly contented, I wanted to see my wife, that is now, and for that reason I wished to return to England. 
I wrote her once in my absence, but she did not answer my letter, and I must acknowledge if she had, it would have given me a less opinion of her. My master and mistress persuaded me much not to leave them, and likewise their two sons, who entertained a good opinion of me, and if I had found my Betty married on my arrival in England, I should have returned to them again immediately. My lady purposed my marrying her maid. She was an agreeable young woman, had saved a good deal of money, but I could not fancy her, though she was willing to accept of me, but I told her my inclinations were engaged in England, and I could think of no other person. On my return home I found my Betty disengaged. She had refused several offers in my absence, and told her sister that she thought, if she ever married, I was to be her husband. Soon after I came home, I waited on Dr. Gifford, who took me into his family, and was exceedingly good to me. The character of this pious worthy gentleman is well known. My praise can be of no use or signification at all. I hope I shall ever gratefully remember the many favors I have received from him. Soon after I came to Dr. Gifford, I expressed a desire to be admitted into their church, and sat down with them. They told me I must first be baptized. So I gave in my experience before the church, with which they were very well satisfied, and I was baptized by Dr. Gifford with some others. I then made known my intentions of being married, but I found there were many objections against it, because the person I had fixed on was poor. She was a widow, her husband had left her in debt and with a child, so that they persuaded me against it out of real regard to me. But I had promised and was resolved to have her. As I knew her to be a gracious woman, her poverty was no objection to me, as they had nothing else to say against her. When my friends found that they could not alter my opinion respecting her, they wrote to Mr. Allen, the minister she attended, to persuade her to leave me but he replied that he would not interfere at all, that we might do as we would. I was resolved that all my wife's little debt should be paid before we were married, so that I sold almost everything I had, and with all the money I could raise, cleared all that she owed, and I never did anything with a better will in all my life, because I firmly believed that we should be very happy together, and so it proved, for she was given me from the Lord." and I have found her a blessed partner, and we have never repented, though we have gone through many great troubles and difficulties. My wife got a very good living by weaving, and could do extremely well, but just at that time there was a great disturbance among the weavers, so that I was afraid to let my wife work, lest they should insist on my joining the rioters which I could not think of, and possibly, if I had refused to do so, they would have knocked me on the head so that by these means my wife could get no employ, neither had I work enough to maintain my family. We had not yet been married a year before all these misfortunes overtook us. Just at this time a gentleman that seemed much concerned for us advised me to go to Essex with him and promised to get me employed. I accepted his kind proposal, and he spoke to a friend of his, a Quaker, a gentleman of large fortune, who resided a little way out of the town of Colchester. His name was Handbarar. He ordered his steward to set me to work. There were several employed in the same way with myself. I was very thankful and contented, though my wages were but small. 
I was allowed but eight pence a day, and found myself. But after I had been in this situation for a fortnight, my master, being told that a black was at work for him, had an inclination to see me. He was pleased to talk to me for some time, and at last inquired what wages I had. When I told him, he declared it was too little, and immediately ordered his steward to let me have eighteen pence a day, which he constantly gave me after, and I then did extremely well. I did not bring my wife with me. I came first alone, and it was my design, if things answered according to our wishes, to send for her. I was now thinking to desire her to come to me, when I received a letter to inform me she was just brought to bed and in want of many necessaries. This news was a great trial to me, and a fresh affliction. But my God, faithful and abundant in mercy, forsook me not in this trouble. As I could not read English, I was obliged to apply to some one to read the letter I received, relative to my wife. I was directed by the good providence of God to a worthy young gentleman, a Quaker, and friend of my master. I desired he would take the trouble to read my letter to me, which he readily complied with, and was greatly moved and affected at the contents, insomuch that he said he would undertake to make a gathering for me, which he did, and was the first to contribute to it himself. The money was sent that evening to London by a person who happened to be going there. Nor was this all the goodness that I experienced from these kind friends, for as soon as my wife came about and was fit to travel, they sent for her to me, and were at the whole expense of her coming. So evidently has the love and mercy of God appeared through every trouble that ever I experienced. We went on very comfortably all the summer. We lived in a little cottage near Mr. Handbarrar's house, but when the winter came on I was discharged, as he had no further occasion for me. And now the prospect began to darken upon us again. We thought it most advisable to move our habitation a little nearer to the town, as the house we lived in was very cold and wet, and ready to tumble down. The boundless goodness of God to me has been so very great, that with the most humble gratitude I desire to prostrate myself before him, for I have been wonderfully supported in every affliction. My God never left me. I perceived light still through the thickest darkness. My dear wife and I were now both unemployed. We could get nothing to do. The winter proved remarkably severe, and we were reduced to the greatest distress imaginable. I was always very shy of asking for anything. I could never beg, neither did I choose to make known our wants to any person, for fear of offending, as we were entire strangers. But our last bit of bread was gone, and I was obliged to think of something to do for our support. I did not mind for myself at all, but to see my dear wife and children in want pierced me to the heart. I now blamed myself for bringing her from London, as doubtless had we continued there we might have found friends to keep us from starving. The snow was at this season remarkably deep, so that we could see no prospect of being relieved. In this melancholy situation, not knowing what step to pursue, I resolved to make my case known to a gentleman's gardener that lived near us, and entreat him to employ me. But when I came to him my courage failed me, and I was ashamed to make known our real situation. I endeavoured all I could to prevail on him to set me to work, but to no purpose. 
he assured me it was not in his power. But just as I was about to leave him, he asked me if I would accept of some carrots. I took them with great thankfulness and carried them home. He gave me four, they were very large and fine. We had nothing to make fire with, so consequently could not boil them, but was glad to have them to eat raw. Our youngest child was quite an infant, so that my wife was obliged to chew it, and fed her in that manner for several days. We allowed ourselves but one every day, lest they should not last till we could get some other supply. I was unwilling to eat at all myself, nor would I take any the last day that we continued in this situation, as I could not bear the thought that my dear wife and children would be in want of every means of support. We lived in this manner till our carrots were all gone. Then my wife began to lament because of our poor babies. But I comforted her all I could, still hoping and believing that my God would not let us die, but that it would please him to relieve us, which he did by almost a miracle. We went to bed as usual, before it was quite dark, as we had neither fire nor candle, but had not been there long before some person knocked at the door and inquired if James Albert lived there. I answered in the affirmative, and rose immediately. As soon as I opened the door I found that it was the servant of an eminent attorney who resided at Colchester. He asked me how it was with me, if I was not almost starved. I burst out a-crying, and told him I was indeed. He said his master supposed so, and that he wanted to speak with me, and I must return with him. This gentleman's name was Daniel. He was a sincere, good Christian. He used to stand and talk with me frequently when I worked in the road for Mr. Handbarar, and would have employed me himself if I had wanted work. When I came to his house, he told me that he had thought a good deal about me of late, and was apprehensive that I must be in want, and could not be satisfied till he sent to inquire after me. I made known my distress to him, at which he was greatly affected, and generously gave me a guinea, and promised to be kind to me in future. I could not help exclaiming, Oh, the boundless mercies of my God! I prayed unto him, and he has heard me, I trusted in him, and he has preserved me, where shall I begin to praise him, or how shall I love him enough? I went immediately and bought some bread and cheese and coal, and carried it home. My dear wife was rejoiced to see me return with something to eat. She instantly got up and dressed our babies, while I made a fire, and the first nobility in the land never made a more comfortable meal. We did not forget to thank the Lord for all his goodness to us. Soon after this, as the spring came on, Mr. Peter Daniel employed me in helping to pull down a house and rebuilding it. I had then very good work and full employ. He sent for my wife and children to Colchester, and provided us a house where we lived very comfortably. I hope I shall always gratefully acknowledge his kindness to myself and family. I worked at this house for more than a year till it was finished, and after that I was employed by several successively, and was never so happy as when I had something to do. But perceiving the winter coming on, and work rather slack, I was apprehensive that we should again be in want, or become troublesome to our friends. I had at this time an offer made me to go to Norwich, and having constant employ. 
My wife seemed pleased with this proposal, as she supposed she might get work there in the weaving manufactory, being the business she was brought up to, and more likely to succeed there than any other place. And we thought as we had an opportunity of moving to a town where we could both be employed, it was most advisable to do so, and that probably we might settle there for our lives. When this step was resolved on, I went first alone to see how it would answer, which I very much repented after, for it was not in my power immediately to send my wife any supply, as I fell into the hands of a master that was neither kind nor considerate, and she was reduced to great distress, so that she was obliged to sell the few goods that we had, and when I sent for her, was under the disagreeable necessity of parting with our bed. When she came to Norwich, I hired a room ready furnished. I experienced a great deal of difference in the carriage of my master from what I had been accustomed to from some of my other masters. He was very irregular in his payments to me. My wife hired a loom and wove all the leisure time she had, and we began to do very well, till we were overtaken by fresh misfortunes. Our three poor children fell ill of the smallpox. This was a great trial to us, but still I was persuaded in myself we should not be forsaken. And I did all in my power to keep my dear partner's spirits from sinking. Her whole attention now was taken up with the children, as she could mind nothing else, and all I could get was but little to support a family in such a situation, beside paying for the hire of our room, which I was obliged to omit doing for several weeks. But the woman to whom we were indebted would not excuse us, though I promised she should have the very first money we could get after my children came about. But she would not be satisfied, and had the cruelty to threaten us that if we did not pay her immediately, she would turn us all into the street." The apprehension of this plunged me in the deepest distress, considering the situation of my poor babies. If they had been in health, I should have been less sensible of this misfortune. But my God, still faithful to his promise, raised me a friend. Mr. Henry Gurdney, a Quaker, a gracious gentleman, heard of our distress. He sent a servant of his own to the woman we hired the room of, paid our rent, and bought all the goods with my wife's loom, and gave it us all. Some other gentlemen, hearing of his design, were pleased to assist him in these generous acts, for which we never can be thankful enough. After this my children soon came about. We began to do pretty well again. My dear wife worked hard and constant when she could get work, but it was upon a disagreeable footing, as her employ was so uncertain, Sometimes she could not get anything to do, and at other times when the weavers of Norwich had orders from London, they were so excessively hurried that the people they employed were often obliged to work on the Sabbath day. But this my wife would never do, and it was a matter of uneasiness to us that we could not get our living in a regular manner, though we were both diligent, industrious, and willing to work. I was far from being happy in my master, he did not use me well. I could scarcely ever get any money from him, but I continued patient till it pleased God to alter my situation. My worthy friend Mr. Gurdney advised me to follow the employ of chopping chaff, and bought me an instrument for that purpose. There were but few people in the town that made this their business beside myself, so that I did very well indeed, and we became easy and happy." 
but we did not continue long in this comfortable state. Many of the inferior people were envious and ill-natured, and set up the same employ and worked under price on purpose to get my business from me, and they succeeded so well that I could hardly get anything to do, and became again unfortunate. Nor did this misfortune come alone, for just at this time we lost one of our little girls who died of a fever. This circumstance occasioned us new troubles, for the Baptist minister refused to bury her because we were not their members. The parson of the parish denied us because she had never been baptized. I applied to the Quakers, but met with no success. This was one of the greatest trials I ever met with, as we did not know what to do with our poor baby. At length I resolved to dig a grave in the garden behind the house, and bury her there, when the parson of the parish sent for me to tell me he would bury the child, but did not choose to read the burial service over her. I told him I did not mind whether he would or not, as the child could not hear it. We met with a great deal of ill-treatment after this, and found it very difficult to live. We could scarcely get work to do, and were obliged to pawn our clothes. We were ready to sink under our troubles, when I proposed to my wife to go to Kidderminster and try if we could do there. I had always an inclination for that place, and now more than ever, as I heard Mr. Fawcett mentioned in the most respectful manner as a pious worthy gentleman, and I had seen his name in a favorite book of mine, Baxter's Saints Everlasting Rest, and as the manufactory of Kidderminster seemed to promise my wife some employment, she readily came into my way of thinking. I left her once more, and set out for Kidderminster, in order to judge if the situation would suit us. As soon as I came there, I waited immediately on Mr. Fawcett, who was pleased to receive me very kindly, and recommended me to Mr. Watson, who employed me in twisting silk and worsted together. I continued there about a fortnight, and when I thought it would answer to our expectation, I returned to Norwich to fetch my wife. She was then near her time, and too much indisposed. So we were obliged to tarry till she was brought to bed, and as soon as she could conveniently travel we came to Kidderminster, but we brought nothing with us, as we were obliged to sell all we had to pay our debts and the expenses of my wife's illness, etc. Such is our situation at present. My wife, by hard labor at the loom, does everything that can be expected from her towards the maintenance of our family and God is pleased to incline the hearts of his people at times to yield us their charitable assistance, being myself through age and infirmity able to contribute but little to their support. As pilgrims, and very poor pilgrims, we are travelling through many difficulties towards our heavenly home, and waiting patiently for his gracious call, when the Lord shall deliver us out of the evils of this present world, and bring us to the everlasting glories of the world to come. To him be praise for ever and ever. Amen. End of section three. End of A Narrative of the Most Remarkable Particulars in the Life of James Albert Ukasagroniosa, an African Prince, as related by himself. By Ukasagroniosa.